You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 987 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening into Thursday. And today's show is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On Rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. So today's podcast will focus on what became a pretty dominant win for the Hawks. It was not a terrible surprise to me anyway that the Hawks would beat the Suns at home in this spot. But anyone would have to tell you that it was a surprise that the Hawks blew the Suns out of the building tonight on this Wednesday by 30-plus points. Um, obviously a lot to get into here, but sort of as top-line thoughts, the Hawks clinched a winning season for the first time in four years. They now have 37 wins. Obviously, we've known for a few, I would say almost weeks now, that the Hawks were pretty much guaranteed to finish with a, uh, a record above 500. But it's now official with 37 wins. They won seven in a row at home. That's very impressive, taking care of business in their own building. Um, they dominated this game after halftime. It was pretty competitive in the first half, and then it just suddenly wasn't anymore. And honestly, just a ton of balanced scoring, um, a bunch of season highs offensively. The Hawks just put it all together on this night, and even with Phoenix kind of having a, a tough schedule spot, a pretty impressive win to go out and win by 30-plus against one of the best teams in the league. So we'll dive in now to the game itself, but that's sort of the overarching theme of just positivity on this evening. So, um, as I said a second ago, the Hawks did have a pretty massive situational edge coming into the game. I talked about this last night on the podcast. This is not revisionist. I talked about it last night. But, um, you know, it does not account for 30 points. But the Hawks were at home on regular rest. The Suns played an overtime game on Tuesday in Cleveland. And because of that, our friends at BetOnline.ag actually made the Hawks only a one-point underdog. I got a question about that during the day that I answered on Twitter. Like, wait, the Suns are the best team in the league right now. Why are they only laying one point against the Hawks? And it was because of that. Um, obviously, that doesn't make this one any less impressive. But the expectations were not as low as you might have thought against a team like Phoenix. Still, though, the Hawks were, you know, they're healthier. They're not all the way healthy. They're still missing DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish. And Phoenix was pretty healthy too. They they were missing Jay Crowder, but they're not. That's not a new injury. That he's been out for a couple weeks now, and they're they're still pretty much at full strength. So nothing flukish there. And Phoenix came into this game not only not only were they tied in terms of best record in the league when loss wise, they were number two in net rating, number five in defense, number seven in offense. So a balanced, really good team. And the Hawks just kind of eviscerated them after halftime. Um, on the injury front, there was one update that I want to give to you now. It was pretty positive, I thought. Nate McMillan was asked about DeAndre Hunter before the game on Wednesday, and he said that Hunter placed him three on three on Tuesday and did not have any issues um, coming out of that on Wednesday. Now, I don't want to go crazy about this, but the plan is to get Hunter some more work over the three-day break the Hawks have this weekend. Um, no timelines, no specifics, but this is a markedly different feeling report than what McMillan gave on Saturday. Again, it's all fluid. They've ramped Hunter up, it seemed, seemingly two or three times now, and want to have him not come back, so I don't want to overstate it at all, but the, the, the tenor of the reporting um, from McMillan to the media was a little bit more positive. So that combined with the game result, obviously, is pretty positive. We'll see what, we'll see what the next steps are on Hunter, but circle that one for now. Um, again, I said you know this before, but um, BetOnline made it a, basically a coin flip game. It was a one-point spread. And for the first half, that felt accurate. You know, There's a lot of back and forth, but we'll dive into the game now. 
And the Hawks, you know, opened up. There was not a lot of defense played in the first few minutes of this game. In fact, it was 17-17 after about five minutes. Both offenses getting whatever they wanted to at the rim. Just kind of, you know, free reign to the rim, honestly, for the most part. Capella had eight points for the Hawks on four shots at the outset. The two teams combined to shoot 15 of 20 from the floor in the first four or five minutes of this game. Um, there was some good recognition for the Hawks and just like taking advantage of this, going to the rim whenever they could. The Haw- but the Suns, though, were scoring at will. In fact, they scored two points per possession. So if you do the math on that, that means you're scoring every time you do- every time down the floor, basically. You know, the best offenses in the league score 1.2 or less. And they were scoring two points per possession for the first eight minutes of this game. They led 28-22, I should say, after a 9-3 run. The Hawks were still hot themselves to stay close. They were really uh, sort of cooking on offense for the entire game, honestly. But the Hawks went to the full bench unit, and as I will cop to this now, I have doubted the, the bench unit, at least playing together as a whole a lot, and I think I still will after this game. But credit to the bench, when they played together in this game, the they were just awesome. They dominated. It was everyone playing well. And that began in their first stint. So they came out of a timeout late in the first quarter with that, with that bench unit. And there was a great help side block by Nekai Kongu, who had the best, the best game of his career, I thought, this evening. We'll come back to him later on. But that led directly to a, a Kevin Herter three. Then I got another stop. Gallinari hit a three. And then two more threes to end the half from Solomon Hill and Lou Williams. The Hawks hit four threes in the final 90 seconds of the first quarter to go from losing to up four. But it was 42-38 in a relatively slow-paced First quarter as well. So just a lot of shot making. Um, the Hawks shot 68% from the floor and hit seven threes in the first quarter of this game. And for context, the Hawks only made 13 threes in the game. So they made more than half of their threes in the first quarter. That was huge. They had, they had 11 assists. The Suns were also red hot, but um, they just made fewer threes. But I would say this again. The, sh- the shot making and the defense, the lack of defense, I should say, in the first quarter were uh, pretty jarring. Um, from there, though, the Hawks took the control a little bit in the second quarter, pushed the lead up to as many as 10 behind a Kong Wu, I thought was awesome in his first stint with activity. Um, the bench at one point was 9 of 13 from the floor, 4 of 6 from 3, so they were very, they were very, very effective. Gallinari had it going as well. When the starters came back in, headlined by Trey Young, the Hawks were up by 10, and then kind of hilariously, when compared to recent results, the Suns had their run against the starters. It was a 10-0 run by Phoenix to tie the game at 56-56. Capella missed a point-blank layup and also got a shot blocked in the next possession on a play where he probably should have passed the ball. So that was kind of a rough stint for Capella. Um, and the Hawks didn't score for almost three minutes. So that was kind of their one hiccup of the entire night, honestly, was that one stretch in the second quarter. They, they did rally to, to go up by two at the break. But being up by 10 at one point in the first half, being up by two is not the greatest result in the world. And honestly, it felt a little bit red flaggy to me to only be up by two with the way the Hawks played offensively because they had 74% true shooting in the first half and 16 assists, and only be up by two is a little bit scary. Um, but they're really balanced. Um, I think the only gripe that I had was not getting Collins enough involved against the mismatches that the Hawks could have had, but um, lots of positivity offensively. But the defense in the first half was just not particularly good. Uh, Devin Booker had 20 points. The Suns didn't shoot quite as well as the Hawks did, but they only had two turnovers in the entire first half. Um, but both teams uh, actually were just hot from the perimeter. There was 132 points scored in the first half. Only 52 of them were in the paint, which is a pretty low figure when you factor in everything that was in play here. But obviously looking ahead of the second half, we'll get to it in a second, the defense was much better and the offense was just as good somehow. So the formula is coming. But first, before we dive into all of that, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is Headspace. 
Wouldn't it be great if there was a pocket-sized guide that helped you sleep, focus, act, and be better? Well, there is, and if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations and an easy-to-use app. And Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation is, Headspace can really help you feel better if you're overwhelmed. Headspace has three-minute SOS meditation for you. If you need some help falling asleep, Headspace has wind-down sessions that their members absolutely swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations that you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Headspace has been awesome for me to not only reduce stress, but also help me get some rest, uh, sort of recoup and uh, recharge mentally for the busy schedule that I absolutely have on a daily basis. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. And Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash locked on NBA. That's headspace.com slash locked on NBA for a free one month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Go ahead and check out headspace.com slash locked on NBA today. All right. And the second half was quite obviously much better because the Hawks won this game by 32 points and they're up by two at the half. So do the math there plus 30 after halftime. Um, and ironically, Phoenix actually scored first in the third quarter, hitting a three to take the lead. To go, so they're up They're up by one. The rest, of the, the rest of the second half did not go very well for the Suns. But first, the big run was a 19-6 to push by the Hawks to go up by 12. Had a bunch of threes from Bogdanovich. Um, you know, a bunch of offense, honestly. That was the best stretch by the starters in this game. Um, but the, the Suns only scored nine points in the first seven minutes of the third quarter. And the Hawks' defensive intensity really ratcheted up. A lot. Um, credit to Capella for anchoring that, but it was kind of across the board. I thought Trey Young was better defensively in the second half. The Hawks just played better defensively. Um, there was more effort, more energy. Did it help that Phoenix probably slowed down a little bit with their legs? Yes, but it was, uh, I would say, almost night and day defensive execution-wise and energy-wise from the Hawks coming out of the halftime break, which is a credit to McMillan for getting that out of them in that spot. Um, there was one little hiccup when Trey Young had an air ball and then Collins turned it over. They sort of wavered a little bit there. There was a pretty big swing, I thought. Cam Johnson missed a three that went in and out for the Suns, and then Herter made one to go back up by 11. So if that goes the other way, the Hawks are suddenly up by five, and it's kind of a little bit tight, but uh, that was, a, I thought, pretty notable. And there was also a, kind of a weird, I would say, bad challenge from McMillan. When Collins was called for goaltending on a two-point shot, that was a no-hope challenge that he did and lost it. It didn't actually make an impact, obviously. Um, and the Hawks actually stayed with Trey Young a little bit longer in the third quarter than usual. He had a, he, he, was, he was definitely playing well. He had a nice speed layup, put the Hawks up by 12 late. Um, and then when he came out of the game, the Hawks' bench was keyed by Gallinari in that third quarter uh, run at the end. A couple of sort of unguardable Gallinari jump shots, as he is prone to do, just kind of shooting the ball high and doing what he does in that mid-range area. Um but then the fourth quarter was where things kind of obviously changed um, in a big, big way. The Hawks were already in great sh- in great shape, you know, up by 9-10 at the end of the third quarter. But the fourth was 38-15, to which is just wild in retrospect. Uh, Akongwu had his best stretch as a professional, um, especially offensively, in the fourth quarter. He had the first six points of the fourth quarter for either team in about 90 seconds to maybe, maybe two minutes, including a monster dunk from Akongwu. I would say that was shades of his college tape. I know people that don't love the draft as much as I do, for instance, have uh, kind of not rem- sort of didn't see it with the Kongwu, and I, I get it. But if you watched him in college, this is sort of what you saw a lot of the time. 
obviously you can't expect this every night right now as a rookie, but he was uh, really active, flying around, athletic, uh, showing on screens, being able to switch defensively, kind of showing the whole gamut of his talent in that stretch, and uh, that was a huge part. In fact, McMillan said after the game that Okongwu was kind of the key to the win tonight, and obviously the Hawks win this game probably regardless, but uh, he was a big part of what transpired there, which is great to see for a rookie, um, even if he is a lottery pick. Anyway, the Hawks had a 16-0 run, uh, key by that key at first by that Congo stretch, but that went from the Hawks being up by nine to up by 25. So basically, that basically ended the game. Um, there were threes by Herter and Williams, and another bucket from a Congo with the rim. The Suns didn't score in the fourth quarter until the 7:46 mark, so four minutes and 14 seconds of no scoring for Phoenix. And uh, there you go on that. Another huge dunk later on by Kongwu over Dario Saric. That was a fun one. And then the Hawks ended up empty, emptying the bench in the fourth quarter, but with about three and a half minutes to go. There was another nice dunk by Nathan Knight, actually, down the stretch. But um, garbage time was extensive. Three and a half, four minutes of that. And the Hawks get the win very comfortably, obviously, by a 32-point margin. So plenty of takeaways here, but we'll go through some of the offensive highlights. This is a season-high in field goal shooting for the Hawks in this spot. They were 63%, 53 of 84. That's uh, obviously lights out. I, again, a season high and a season where the Hawks have had a lot of good offensive nights. Um, second most points of the year um, with 135. They tied their season high with 35 assists and only 11 turnovers. That's a pretty good ratio, obviously, there. They only had six guys in double figures. Well, I say only. That's a lot of, that's like a lot of guys in double figures. But here's, here's a crazy stat for you from Hawks PR. Uh, no one for the Hawks scored 20 points in this game. Capella led the way with 18. Um, this is the first time since 1965 for the Hawks to have, to have a game where they where they score 135 or more with no one having 20 points. It's very rare in the NBA to have 135 and have no one get to 20. So that's pretty crazy, pretty balanced. The Hawks end up scoring more than 1.4 points per possession. In fact, this is a very slow-paced game, which, doesn't, which sounds crazy when you score 135, but... This was a below-average pace game, but the Hawks were just so efficient and so good offensively that you still score 135 with all of that. Um, they're also now 16-2 and two on the season when they shoot 50% or better from the, fl- from the floor. Obviously, there's a little bit of noise in that because, of course, you're going to be better when you, when you shoot better, but it's a good reminder that if you shoot the ball well in the NBA, things usually go pretty well. The second half, um, sort of isolated on its own, 68-38 in favor of the Hawks. Phoenix shot 29% after halftime including two of 14 in the fourth quarter. Yes, two field goals in the fourth quarter for the Suns. They also had eight turnovers after halftime. The Hawks shot 64% in the second half with three turnovers. So just a dominant effort. Obviously, after halftime, that goes without saying, given the scoreboard, but the back, the numbers actually back that up as well. And it was um, just pretty wild. You know, defensively, the numbers actually are not that great on the whole. But as, as I just said, the second half numbers are kind of what matter on, on the grand scheme. And even with the shaky first half defensively they ended up holding the Suns to about what their season average is on in, in terms of points for possession about 1.13 that's not great but given where they were in the first half pulling them down to their average is pretty impressive and um you know they didn't get killed Booker was the only guy that kind of got loose on the Hawks they did a good job on Chris Paul they did a great job on DeAndre Ayton in this game um you know Mikel Bridges has had some moments in the first half but uh yeah, the Hawks just played extremely well, obviously. So we'll get into some individual breakdown stuff, as we always do momentarily. But first, a word from our friends at betonline.ag. Baseball is in full swing right now, and you can track all the action and much, much more at betonline.ag. 
BetOnline is both the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Get all the latest news, odds, and information for all of your sporting needs, including the NBA, of course, with MLB, NHL, UFC, golf, soccer, tennis, auto racing, entertainment bets, and much, much more. BetOnline also has all of the props and future bets you could possibly want, and they offer live wagering options on a ton of events, which can add a lot of intrigue when you're watching any game. Before the next pitch or dribble, head over to BetOnline.ag on your laptop or mobile device. You can check out the news, contest information, and sign-up bonuses right now. Take this chance to get off the sidelines and take your opportunity to get into the game as teams prepare for the run to the playoffs. If you visit BetOnline.ag right now, you can sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with BetOnline. That is a 50% bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code Locked On, one more time, that is promo code Locked On, fifty percent more and a welcome bonus with BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Today's show is also sponsored by the good folks at RockAuto.com. One key reason to repair and maintain your own car is to save money. You can use for other important things like paying the mortgage or paying for food or whatever else you want to use it for. And honestly, why would you want to pay more money? the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership when you instead can use rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need from engine control modules and brake pads to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet, whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver. Get everything you need, just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always low and they're always the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers, so why spend twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. When you get there, you want to write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, and we'll wrap the show up today with some individual breakdowns as well as look at the standings and the other news of the day. Um, you know, t- sort of a tale of interesting dynamics lineup-wise. For the most part this year, if you're a Hawks fan diehard, you'll know this, but the Hawks have been much better with the stars on the floor than the bench. That's how most teams operate, but the Hawks have been uh, no different. Um, you know, Trey Young, Clint Capella, John Collins even, all kinds of plus-minus numbers that go in their favor when they play. In this game, though, it was the bench that did all of the damage, or at least the vast majority of the damage in terms of plus-minus stuff. Um, single game plus-minus can be overrated for sure, um, but the five guys who played real minutes off the bench were all plus 28 or better. That tells you how good the bench was as a unit. And we'll start with Solomon Hill, who was plus 28 in 20 minutes, 14, sorry, no, three points. I read the wrong line there. Three points, five rebounds, an assist, uh, plus plus 28 again. One of two from the, from the floor, one of two from three. Just a ho-hum night for Solomon Hill, except for the fact that he was plus 28. Uh, Lou Williams, a solid night for him across the board. 16 points, five assists, four rebounds, six of 11 from the floor, two of four from three. Kind of weirdly had a couple of shot attempts that he turned down in the first half, I thought. But um, from there, got a little bit more aggressive, and it, w- it was effective as a result of that. Kevin Herter, same thing, like very efficient. 13 points on eight shots, three or five from th- from three, had an assist. Sorry, had two assists, two rebounds, plus 35, a game best for Kevin. Just under control, had a couple nice floater range kind of attempts going to the rim, um, beating where, uh, be- sort of beating where the Suns were trying to let him go, and that was a good decision-making process for Herter offensively. And then the two standouts off the bench, uh, Gallinari, 16 points, five rebounds, four assists, and a steal, plus 30 in 24 minutes, seven of nine from the floor, one of two from three. I thought he had a couple of just big shots to either start runs or stop runs for Phoenix or just kind of do what Gallinari does. He's just unguardable when he has it going, and he did in this game. And then Okongwu, I thought was the biggest story individually of the entire game. 14 points, seven rebounds, three steals, two assists, and a block, plus 33, 
6 of 7 from the floor, 2 of 2 from the free throw line. So all those numbers that I just read to you in 18 minutes, he was flying around. And again, I don't want to overstate it because it's still one game. He's still a rookie who's had some ups and downs this year. But there was some uh, consternation early in the season about Kongwu. I'm not telling you that he's going to be a star for sure, but I've, I've always liked the Kongwu. I think he's really good as a prospect. And uh, we saw sort of the whole game in here in this spot. So it was really fun to watch that. Uh, he got a lot of praise after the game from McMillan and his teammates and Gallinari. Talked about him in a positive way. Um, and rightly so. I thought he was uh, an awesome story in this game and just kind of brought energy and defensive aptitude and finishing around the rim and highlight plays and everything that you could have wanted from Gallin- from Okongwu, I should say, in this game. The other, the other five guys who play off the bench uh, did not play it much. It was just the, honestly, just the entire garbage time. Um, they all scored, though, except for uh, Chris Dunn, who only had one shot attempt. But four points for Nathan Knight, including a big dunk. Fernando, Fernando scored uh, three points for Brandon Goodwin and three for Skylar Mays. So there you go on that. No takeaways from those guys. They didn't really play meaningful minutes, but they were out there at the end. Uh, to the starters quickly here, um, three guys, 16 points or more. Um, we'll save those for the end. But Tony Snell, 18 minutes, only took one, only took two shots, only made one, one two-point field goal. No three-point attempts to keep his uh, his massive shooting um, still, still, still sort of intact here at the end, but only had two points, um, sort of a quiet night for Tony. John Collins, same thing, nine points, four rebounds. Uh, it's wild to me that they did not give him the ball more. I'm not complaining because the Hawks were so good offensively here, but even then, like, they had Torrey Craig on John Collins, and that could have been a spot to give him the ball a lot more. When they did, it was very effective. They just kind of didn't force him the ball in the way that they probably could have. Again, no, no complaints, but I thought he played fine. He just didn't have, have a lot of usage offensively. And then Capella, Young, and Bogdanovich all finished with solid nights and limited deployment. That's a big thing as well. The Hawks have to go on the road from here against Indiana, which we'll talk about in a second. But no one played more than 26 minutes. That's very helpful in addition to everything else on a back-to-back. But uh, Capella, 18 points to lead, to lead all scores for the Hawks. 10 rebounds also leads the team in that category. Had two blocks. He actually was hilariously minus four because the bench was so good. But uh, five offensive rebounds as well for Capella, 8 of 11 from the floor. He was totally fine. I thought he was better in the second half for sure, especially defensively. But even the first half, he, f- he finished around the rim, had the one the one missed bunny. But other than that, uh, a very nice night for Capella overall. Bogdanovich continued his hot shooting, hit four threes. Um, he's just been ridiculous for quite some time now. Uh, in fact, Bogdanovich has now hit three threes or more in seven straight games and 11 of the last 12. He has just been in a complete groove. That continued here, and it's now a shock when he misses, but he also had two steals and two blocks. Um, not always what he does there, but a very nice night for Kongwu. Kongwu and Bogdanovich. I was just looking at Kongwu because I have him written down here. I forgot to say this earlier, but a career high for Kongwu. Um, not that that was a surprise to anybody, but 14 points is, is his career high. So from there, Troy Young, um, 16 points, 12 assists in 26 minutes. 0-3 from 3, but other than that, like he couldn't argue with anything else that he did. I think defensively in the first half, he was pretty shaky. It's a bad matchup for him in a lot of ways. I know uh, I will credit Glenn Wills for this from Peachtree Hoops. But um, the Suns are kind of a nightmare matchup for Trey defensively because there's nowhere to put him. Um, it's Chris Paul, it's Devin Booker, and it's Mikhail Bridges, who's a legit 6'7", 6'8". Um, and that showed in the first half, but I thought Trey competed a lot better in the second half, and that was good to see, even in a bad matchup for him, on that end of the floor. So, um, again, uh, final thought on the game itself to go out and do this, uh, no one could have, I mean, even I think the Hawks with true serum would not have told you that 32 point win was on their, on their radar in this spot, but, uh, impressively 21 and 11 at home for the season. That is uh, quite nice, especially when you don't, you don't have like your, 
normal fervor in terms of fans. There were no fans for a while, light fans since then, but uh, they've been really good at home. Lights out seven in a row now in their own building. That's very nice to see as well. Okay, uh, last thing before we get to some news is the standing. So Miami and Charlotte were off on Wednesday. Um, the Knicks, though, lost to the Nuggets. That's a nice result for the Hawks. Boston did win by about a million over the Magic, which is not surprising because the Magic are terrible right now. But with all that said, the Hawks are now back within a half of game, half a game from the Knicks for the four spot. Now it's important to point out the Knicks have a tiebreaker, so the Hawks have to actually beat the Knicks. Like in terms of in the standing, they can't they cannot finish tied with the Knicks. They have to go out and finish with a with a better record than them. But schedule wise, the Knicks have a pretty brutal run, and the Hawks do not at this point. So. Uh, I have not looked at every system at this point, but a couple of the ones that I did look at have, are not picking the Hawks to fi- uh, flat-out finish ahead of the Knicks. 538 um, is uh, has the Hawks at 41-31, and 31, and they have the Knicks at 39-33, so actually two games ahead of the Knicks in that particular system. Regardless, the Hawks are, I would say, probably the favorite, knock on wood, to finish with the 4C right now. Is that Are they a huge favorite? No, they're still behind the Knicks right now without the tiebreaker, so that definitely matters. But schedule-wise, when you factor that in, I think the Hawks are the team that I would now pick, at least if you made me choose a team to pick to finish fourth, I think it would be the Hawks after this win. Um, they're also one and a half ahead of, my, of both Miami and Boston, and both those teams do not have the tiebreaker over the Hawks. So this is a huge night, both for the four seed and also for avoiding the plan. Um, it's still possible if the Hawks were to have some sort of hiccup against Indiana or Washington to slide, but they're in great shape overall. And I think you have to be comfortable with where they are right now in terms of the four five seed and all that stuff. Um, finally, Charlotte, I'm actually going to stop updating now. It's not impossible, but the Hawks are up four uh, on the Hornets with five games to go. So that's probably one we could just probably cross off. I've kept them out of, kept them there out of uh, just kind of trying to be responsible. But now with another win, I can't imagine the Hawks finishing this season with five straight losses. I just, <laughs> that's hard to see. Um, so there you go. Um, last thing, news. Uh, Trey Young was on the Woj pod today on ESPN. I'm sure a lot of Hawks fans li- would listen to that. I would recommend listening to it. It's about a half hour long. But um, a couple of headline things that he said in that interview. Uh, I think the biggest one's probably that he said some pretty positive, positive stuff about Nate McMillan. Not a surprise at all. Uh, you know, Trey's been pretty positive about Nate the entire time. But I'm going to read the quote to you here. It's hard to see him not back next year. At the end of the day, it's not up to me, but as a player, I don't see why he wouldn't be back, end quote. So that's obviously, it'd be more surprising if that wasn't his answer. I think everyone has been um, kumbaya right now about uh, Nate McMillan, with good reason. It's obviously going very, very well. But Young also probably has a voice in the process. How much of one is up for debate, I'm sure, but he's the face of the franchise. They're going to ask him if they haven't already, and him having a sort of a seal of approval on McMillan definitely matters. Now, though, along the same lines, I don't want to panic, panic anybody here, but Sean Serrania and Sam Amick of The Athletic wrote about some coaches on the hot seat, um, not McMillan, obviously, but one of them was Blazers head coach Terry Stotts, and I bring that up because outside of Stotts being a former head coach of the Hawks, which is a long time ago now, but there's a Hawks connection because McMillan was listed in a report, in that report, as a potential candidate for Portland if they were to move on from Stotts. Now, being linked to the Blazers right now in May in one report on a list, not just about him, is not huge earth-shattering news. But McMillan was the head coach there for eight seasons, or seven seasons, one of those two, from 2005 to 2012. So there's familiarity there. Obviously, a lot of things have changed since then. Um, but I will just say this. Uh, it's not a one-way street. A lot of the reaction to my tweet about this was that the Hawks need to just sign him right now. Um 
they could do that for sure, but McMillan has to sign it. He's not, under, he's not under contract. The Hawks cannot just unilaterally decide that McMillan is their coach. McMillan has to say yes to that. And he might be a hot property. McMillan has been a head coach for a long time. He's a well-respected head coach. He's top five all time in active, uh, in, sorry, in at least active wins among head coaches. So uh, I think that he will be the, the next head coach of the Hawks if he maybe choose. But I just it's just sort of a reminder that the Hawks have to, A, want to sign him to be their head coach, which I think will probably happen. But also, B, McMillan has to say yes. And you might remember, he kind of flirted with not taking the job as an interim. Um, how real that was is up for debate. But it's not a just a situation where they have an option to pick up on McMillan. They, they have to actually negotiate a contract, which is why they keep kicking the can on the road here. Every time they're asked, both McMillan or Travis Schlenk, it's always, we'll talk about it after the season. And that, that I'm sure, will happen. But uh, I don't want to panic anybody, but it's it's, it's possible McMillan, again, he, he could leave if he wanted to. If he if Portland came in and offered him $10 million a year and the Hawks didn't, he might go to Portland. That kind of um, That's obviously an over-exaggeration, over but uh, it's not an absolute done deal, even if everyone agrees that McMillan has earned the job at this point, because I certainly would say that. Okay. Um, also, a bunch of national stuff written by the Hawks, uh, written about the Hawks, I should say, on Wednesday. Uh, sort of a nice uh, change of pace there. I recommend Zach Lowe on Clint Capella, who wrote about him on Wednesday, about just how much of a difference Baker Capella's been this year. To the Hawks' success, nothing nothing shocking if you've been paying pay attention to the Hawks this season, but uh, Zach is, of course, the number one guy on the NBA beat, really, overall, so uh, that's always noteworthy, and an entire column dedicated to, Kel- to, to Capella was encouraging to see. Okay, last thing. The Hawks go to Indiana on Thursday. Um, a back-to-back, so a tough spot on paper, but Indiana also played tonight, so not a huge rest disadvantage for the Hawks. And the Pacers didn't have to travel, so that's one little edge there, but Indiana is not in a great place right now. They're 30 and 35, which is not terrible by any means. They've been pretty decent on the whole this year, but it's been pretty pretty bad recently. They've lost four of the last five games. There was a report about Nate Brokren being in some trouble, and then tonight they had sort of a scuffle on the sideline. Uh, so all kinds of negative mojo coming out of Indiana right now. Um, you don't want to take anything for granted, but I think the Hawks might be favored. If, every, if everybody plays, I think the Hawks will probably be favored in that game. Indiana's banged up as well, injury-wise. So even on the road, this is the toughest game on paper for the Hawks, given the schedule, given the schedule spot and the road tilt. But if Indiana doesn't play their guys or whatever happens, the Hawks could be considered favorites in that game. And then regardless, then now then they have three days off after that before they come home and play Washington twice, um, Orlando, and Houston. So... Uh, all kinds of positives on the schedule right now. But the uh, first, uh, I, I would say af- also after that game against Indiana, the first three the first three day break since the All-Star break for the Hawks. So kind of a uh, hiatus to get Hunter practicing potentially and also to get some rest for everybody else. So positives. We'll have a new, a new, a new show after the game on Thursday. Um, might be late because it's an 8 o'clock tip again. It's been a lot of late nights this week, but we will try to get that to you as fast as possible. But Hawks Pacers will be the next time we talk, and hopefully that covers it for this evening's podcast. Um, thank you for listening to the show. As always, please tell your friends about the podcast. I know I've had some Apple Podcast issues. If you're a new listener to the podcast, one that likes Apple Podcasts, it is not just our show. Um, we are, for some reason, lumped in with all kinds of others. You've seen that from as high as The Ringer and ESPN to have, having issues to all the way down to Lifetime Podcast Network, etc. But uh, for whatever reason, there's no rhyme or reason to it either. Like Apple did an update and some are affected and some are not. So without going all the way down to that rabbit hole, the podcast has been available uh, without issue on other platforms. So Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, um, Odyssey, 
all those places that we have the podcast, you can find it there. So subscribe, rate, review on, on all those platforms. I really appreciate all of that. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. And again, we'll see you after the game on Thursday.